Welcome, Fellowship Asheville, and those of you who are joining us from wherever you're joining us from and, and becoming part of Fellowship Asheville from wherever you're joining us from, we are glad that you're here today. Now, typically on Mother's Day, uh, we do a uh, what's kind of been affectionately come to be known as the Mother's Day confessional, right? We, we do the traditional things, um, give gift cards to, to, to moms in certain categories, but what we've uh, really enjoyed is not the traditional questions, but the real questions that we ask mom. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to do the Mother's Day confessional, the quarantine edition. And we're not going to do the traditional stuff. We're just going to go straight to the real questions. And here's why. At Fellowship, we believe you can be anything except a liar. And, And this is the place, this is the church where you can be who you really are, and trust that Jesus is working on you right where you are and working with you right where you are. And so these questions, you don't have to respond to them, but if you do, here's what you will get. You won't get a gift card. Uh, but what you will get this year is is you will get understanding because we're all right there with you. You will get sympathy because we know exactly how you're feeling. And you're also going to get unity. We're in this together. And so I'm going to throw out some Mother's Day questions. And what I want you to do, moms, is I want you to respond in the comments. And kids, keep them honest right? This is what happened last year. I asked one of these questions and a kid threw his mother's hand up in the air, right? She wasn't going to, but, but the child went ahead and let us know uh, what was really happening. So, so here's the questions. Mom, here's what I want you to do. We want to see which mom has used dry shampoo for the most days in the row. Right? So this means uh, you haven't washed your hair in how many days and you've used dry shampoo. So, so just put the number of days uh, during this quarantine that you've used dry shampoo in a row in the comments and we will see, uh, we will see who wins that one. All right. So that's question number one. Question number two is this. Which mom most recently yelled at your kids this morning? kid or kids. We're assuming you've apologized. If not, maybe you can do that later. But here's what you need to do for this one. We need a timestamp of when you yelled at your kids. When was it? Right now, this is probably about, uh, we're probably uh, at about 10.03, 10.04. So anything before right now, let me know when you yelled at your kids. You don't have to tell me what you said, but just give me a timestamp. The next one, I might get flack for this one. But mom, During this quarantine season, when was the earliest you had a drink? Right? Like, like you don't have to tell us what you drank, but when was the earliest you had a drink? Uh, Give us a timestamp for that and we will see see what, what comes up. Now, this one's to the grandmas out there, right? Here's what we need to know from you. And this one, you're gonna have to be a little bit more honest. Grandmas, Who of you most recently said, don't tell your parents, but, and you gave them candy, you gave them an extra gift, you did something that you know the parents wouldn't be too cool with, but you did it under the guise of don't tell your parents. Now for you, here's what you have to tell us. You have to tell us what you did. Right? So don't just tell us it was me. I want to know what you did. And so put all that stuff in the comments and we will be commenting back to you as we go and we will have fun with this. But here's what I know too. I know Mother's Day isn't fun for everyone. 
right? Because I know some of you have lost your moms this year. And so Mother's Day brings up some sadness and some grief. I know, I know some of you have lost pregnancies this year. Some of you want to be mothers but can't. And, and, and we want you to know we're very mindful of that. We're very mindful of you and our heart goes out to you, especially on a day like today. And what I would like to do is I'd like to thank you for continuing on. And thank you for caring for others in the midst of your pain. And there's a verse that comes to mind when I think of you. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and it's this. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now listen, those of you who Mother's Day brings up more pain than fun, I want you to know that we see you and we hear you and we pray for you. And I know that God is and can, He is, He can and is comforting you, right? And I've seen you use that comfort to comfort others. And so thank you. Because God has been good to you in the midst of this, and you're being good to others in the midst of this. And I want you to know that blows my mind. Even in your pain, you're serving others. So thank you for carrying on. Now today, we're going to be talking about something that's common to all of us. It was common to us before. Uh, it was common to us before the coronavirus. It's become more evident during this pandemic, uh, but it's captured in this one statement. It's captured in the statement, I feel distant from God. Now, it could be that, that you're saying God feels distant from me, but however it's expressed, the truth of it is, is that I don't feel connected to God. Now, I, I have to tell you, I, during this season of COVID-19, I have felt this too, right? And God has shown me something unique about this feeling in my heart of feeling disconnected from God. Because see, I've been using this time of staying home and staying safe. I've been using this time to spend extended time reading my Bible and, and praying. I've had this kind of unhurried time where, where I've been able to do that. And I'm so thankful for these times. I'm, I'm so grateful because, because Jesus has been using these times to help me navigate this, this unsettling season that we're in, not only for me personally, but, but also for the church. Now, if you think that I'm bragging a little bit, let me hold on just a minute, because let me tell you something that this has exposed too. It's shown me, one, how wonderful these times with Jesus are. But it's also showing me how amazingly comfortable I am spending the majority of my day completely disconnected from God. I'll look up at the end of my day and think that, that I, I can't remember the, during the rest of the day when I have talked to God, when I have listened to God since that time in the morning. And it's amazing how life-giving that time with Jesus can be in the morning and then how neglectful I can be all day long from that same life-giving relationship. And maybe this is you too. Maybe you're like me and this happens in multiple waves and phases during the day. Now this can happen and, and one day can even happen over days. And, and maybe for you, sitting down to, to, to enjoy this sermon with us and to enjoy church together with other people, you're realizing, gosh, I haven't picked up my Bible since last Sunday. No, that's, that's, that's real. Maybe you're realizing, yeah, I don't know that I've prayed all week. Or maybe for some of you, this can be an entire season of life where you feel disconnected from God. 
Well, there, honestly, there can be many reasons for this. One can be neglect, right? And that's mostly caused by busyness. And, and the coronavirus has helped us uh, become less busy, become more simple in our lives. And so maybe that's helped some. But it can also be caused by depression, clinical depression. One of the symptoms that I've seen in counseling people, and you're not going to find this in the DSMV, you're not, or DSM, not DSMV, that's the, the driver's license place, the, the DSM. But one of the symptoms I found in the Christian worldview in dealing with clinical depression is that God feels distant, Right? And so maybe, maybe you've got some, some depression that's, that's leading into that. Maybe it's ignorance. Maybe no one has sat down with you and showed you what it means to have a daily time with God of, of reading your Bible and learning from God through his word and praying to God and listening to the Holy Spirit. And if that's you, let's talk. I would love to be able to connect you with someone to help you learn that, that very simple and life-giving discipline. But there's another reason, and this is the one that we're going to highlight today and the one that we're going to dig into today. And this reason is at the core of not being able to connect with God, and it comes out in this simple word of distrust. It's not possible to connect with God if you don't trust God. Right now, if you find yourself going, wait, 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 Fred, what were those other options again? Because surely this can't be me. Of course I trust God. Well, let's see. Let me throw out a few questions to you and see, because I think... In all of us, there's this distrust for God, distrust in God, whether it's big or whether it's small, I think it's in all of us. Let me ask you this question, do you worry? Right, and, and here's what I mean by that. Do you run these possible scenarios through your head over and over again of what might happen? That's what worry is. Do you have a hard time sleeping at night because of all the thoughts that are going through your head? Will you be able to get all the things done? Is that what's going through your head at night? What, will, will you worry about, about a low bank account or job loss? All those things are real. And if there's worry there, it's a sign of distrust. What about this one? Do you control? In other words, do you often point out to people the behavior that they need to change? Because it'll make you happier. That's why. Do you find yourself having these overly high expectations of others to where you find yourself often disappointed in relationships? Do you find yourself silently judging others' behaviors? That's control. Do you manipulate? Now, here's a unique form of manipulation. Do you manipulate means this. Do you change who you are in different environments so that different people will accept you? That's manipulation. When, when trying to win somebody over to your side in an argument, do you present the worst case scenarios? That's a form of manipulation. Do you make others feel guilty so that they'll change their behaviors to line up with your expectations? That's a form of manipulation. You see, all of these are a sign of distrust. And, and here's how, because worry and control and manipulation are signs of not trusting in God's plan, that's what worry is. Not trusting in God's power, that's what control is. And not trusting in God's character, that's what manipulation is. And I think all of us can see places where we don't trust God by one of these. Because all of us, I know I struggle with worry, right? Like, like I get that. I point at any time during my day, and you might point to any one of those three of worry, control, or manipulation. You see, any of us 
any of these can make connecting with God difficult because to connect with God, you, you need to trust him. And this is what we're going to see. So grab your Bibles and, and turn with me today to Revelation 3. We're going to be doing verses 14 through 22. It's the last of the seven letters at the beginning of Revelation. And, and then next week, we'll get into the rest of Revelation. And as I've been going through Revelation, we're calling the series Breakthrough because we are praying for God to use this book at the end of our Bible for you to experience a spiritual breakthrough in your life. That's what the, the mirror pieces are up there behind me, behind each mirror piece is a name. And if you want us to add your name to that wall, uh, email me at fred at fellowshipashville.com and I will add your name to that wall and we will pray for you to experience breakthrough because today, maybe today is the breakthrough that you need. Maybe your breakthrough is to trust and to connect with God. Now let's look at verse 14 and let's just, let's just jump in. It says, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write. Now I want to stop here because I want to point out something. I want to point out two things. First, I want you to notice who is this written to? And this becomes critically important in this uh, group of verses. Because we might have been taking this for granted as we've been going through these seven letters. But look at who this letter is addressed to. Not the city that's addressed to. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But who in the city is it addressed to? It says, and to the angel of the what in Laodicea? It says to the angel of the church in Laodicea. And so this letter is written to the church. You know, like all the other letters that we've looked at, they're written to people who have said yes to Jesus, written to people who are believers, written to people like many of you listening and watching this right now. It's written to you. And here's what we're going to see in this church. We are going to see a group of Jesus followers who aren't trusting Jesus. Right? In the place where you would think people would trust Jesus, they're not. And it's good for us to see this and good for us to evaluate what's going on in our heart and soul. Because it's like this. Have you ever played the game of follow the leader? Kids, have you ever played follow the leader? It's a, it's a really fun game. Here's what you do with follow the leader. You put your trust in that leader that you're following, right? It, because you hope he's not going to go off a cliff somewhere. Because if so, you're playing the game and you're, you're committed to following the leader wherever they go, Right. Now, what happens if you're playing follow the leader and all of a sudden you don't want to follow the leader anymore, right? The, the leader goes, goes one way and you go the other. The leader goes through the sandbox and you go around the sandbox. Well, you're still playing. You're just showing you don't trust that leader anymore. You're still playing. You're just not playing well. Well, that's what we're going to see in this church. And honestly, I think that's what I, we're going to see in a lot of us. That distrust means that we're playing we're just not playing well, and Jesus has a better way for us to play. Now, this city in Laodicea was a very interesting city. If you could mark this city with one word, it would be independence, because they are a self-made city of all self-made cities. They were a wealthy city, and they were known for their textiles, particularly black wool, which is important because Jesus says he'll cover them with these white uh, clothes and garments, and so it's the opposite of, of, of what they are, and they're known for their independence. As a matter of fact, History records that there was an earthquake that hit this city and, and leveled it. And this city decided to rebuild all by itself without getting help from anybody else outside. No funding from outside, no outside support. They rebuilt this city themselves. They are the picture of independence. And let's look how Jesus describes himself to this city. He says, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Now, of all the ways that Jesus describes himself in each of the seven letters, this one gave me the most pause. 
because it's this bizarre collection of he's the amen, he's the witness, he's, he's the beginning of creation. I was like, what do all of these have in common? And different commentators have different speculations about it. Where I kind of landed is that all of these show this picture of unity and togetherness, right? Because amen means that I agree. It means that you agree with God's promise, that God's power, you agree with God's ability to answer a prayer. That's when you say amen, it means that I agree. And so it shows this this connection with someone. It shows this connection with God. A faithful and true witness is also a picture of connecting to the truth, right? Like, Like a witness is someone who experiences something and they tell others about it. And so you're connecting them to the truth by being the witness. And the beginning of God's creation brings this picture of Adam and Eve walking in the garden with God. And, and in many ways, it is, it is the purest sense of, of, of connection. And so Jesus is showing this church from the very beginning that he is the dependable connection for them. Well, look at what else he says, because he's gonna go straight to what they're doing wrong. This is another church that isn't doing anything right. And he says this, he says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Were that you would either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Now, depending on what translation you have, this word spit actually means vomit. Isn't that, isn't that a, this gross picture to think about Jesus vomiting? But, but, but this is what he's saying. Now, to us, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. We're like, what in the world is he talking about? Hot, cold, lukewarm, spitting them out. What, what does this mean? If you were in Laodicea at this time, it would make perfect sense to you. Because as independent as this city was, they didn't have a good source of water. They needed to bring their water from outside of the city, and they used aqueducts to do that. They had cold, they had cold water that was up in the mountains that they would bring in in the aqueducts, and they had warm water from a, a hot spring that they would bring in from a nearby city. And so this water would come from the mountains and come from the city and and it started off cold and started off hot and then it got to them and it was lukewarm. And not only was it lukewarm, I was reading this archeological thing about uh, about the, the water that was found, you know, using these aqueducts and there was this high lime content because of the stones of the aqueducts. And so not only was it lukewarm, by the time the water got to them, it had this horrible taste to it that they had to, that they had to work around uh, to drink that water. And so, so, so if you were in Laodicea at this time, you would understand exactly what Jesus was saying. He was saying that this water it's not cold from the mountains where it's fresh. It's not warm from the, from the hot springs where it's fresh. It gets to us and it is stale and it is old. It isn't fresh. And so we read this and that's, that's, that's what we, we hear. We hear, I don't know, but they hear, ah, we get it. Jesus is saying that this church isn't fresh, that it's stale and it's old. And then, and then I would imagine they'd have this moment where they'd go like, okay, hot water is good, cold water is good, lukewarm, we get it, it's not fresh. Wait a second. Jesus isn't talking about water, he's talking about us. That we as a church aren't fresh. I would imagine this church hadn't had anything fresh happening in it in a while, no fresh movement of the spirit, no, no fresh ministries taking off to meet the needs of the city. Because here's why Jesus explains this. Here's what's going on in the hearts of the people of this church. Look at verse 17. It says, for you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing. Now, what is the subject of each one of those sentences? It's the word I. 
I have done this, I have done this, and I have done this. And so it would appear that in this independent city of Laodicea, that independent culture has infiltrated the church to where now the church in this city is full of a bunch of people who are proud of what they've been able to accomplish. They're proud of a bunch of, a bunch of eyes. And so it's to this independent church in this independent city that Jesus wants them to know that this independent faith that they have is actually a very stale faith. That an independent faith is a stale faith. It's old and it's boring. It lacks life. There's nothing fresh happening in this church. Look, look at what Jesus says is their actual state of being. In the rest of verse 17, it says this, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Not exactly what they had hoped for, right? They thought they had everything together, and Jesus says, you don't have anything together. What they thought was actually good, Jesus says, is sparse and barren. Now, let's bring this to today's time, because I'm going to tell you something that I've seen in working with churches that are similar to this. Here's, here, here's what churches have that fit this category, at least from what I've seen. Churches that, 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 that are stale in their faith and stale in their ministries, there's this common theme through all of them. They have fat bank accounts, right? I was talking to one church, they had $500,000 in a reserve account for a church of about 100 people. And they were wondering why nothing could get started in that church. When I asked the guy, I asked one of the elders there, I was like, why don't you release some of that money to ministries that are doing a great job? This is when we were a church plant and I had ours as the top of the list, of course. And he said, Fred, you have to understand something. We can't touch that money. It is there. That's our security. And I was like, well, no wonder. No wonder the church is stale. I was like, if you released half of that money, can you imagine the ministry that could happen in the city? And I told him too, I was like, gosh, if you gave us a 10th of that money, that would fund our ministry for six months. You see, life-giving churches, fresh churches, are not marked by what's in their bank account. They're marked by generosity. They're marked by what they give away, not, not by what they keep. And I wanna tell you, at Fellowship Asheville, one of my visions for this church is that we give away more money than we keep. We give away 51% of our income and, and we're growing in that. In the, past, in the past four or five months, we've grown from giving away six to 7% to giving away 25%. A lot of that's going to Fellowship Weaverville and as they, as our, as our um, contributions to them diminish over the next two years, we're gonna keep that level the same, if not grow it more and help fund other organizations uh, that are doing good work here in this city. And I'm really excited about that. And, and y'all listen, the only reason we're able to do that is because of your generosity. And I hope in the next few years to build that 25% up to 51%. That as you are being generous, we can be equally as generous as a church. Y'all, that is exciting. That gives life. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says this. It says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and the sa and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Now here's what Jesus is doing. He, he's taking this comment, this I, 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 I. And he's saying, no, 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 connect with me for these things. 
It's not the things that are bad. It's not having, it's not having the money. It's relying on the money. Right? And, and, and Jesus says, connect with me. And he talks about money and clothing and, and salve, which is something area, something that this area was also known for, was their medicine. And, and he's saying, in all of these things, this city prides itself on, but you, the church, you connect with me. You connect with Jesus and watch what he does. Because a fresh faith is a faith where Jesus is your provider, not a comfortable bank account. A fresh faith is one where Jesus is your identity, where he covers up your shame. He, he's the one that gives you dignity. That is a fresh faith. A fresh faith is where Jesus shows you how to see the world around you. That's a fresh faith, not the news. The news doesn't show you how to see the world around you. Let Jesus show you how to see the world around you. That's what gives you a fresh faith. And maybe... For you, the freshness of your faith has been drained out by worry and control and manipulation. Those are words that are marked by eyes, right? When, when worry and control and manipulation are, you go, are your go-to, you find yourself focused on yourself. What will make life better for me? Y'all, that is, that is the opposite of everything that's in this book. From beginning to end, it is about life and freshness of faith comes when you're pouring yourself out to others. And here's why. Look at Jesus' heart in this. We see, we see his heart next. In verse 19, it says this, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Now, what is the focus of Jesus' discipline? Why is he laying out these seven letters to these churches to begin with? Why is he telling this church in Laodicea that he will spit them out of his mouth if they don't change what they're doing? And he's doing it because he loves them. Now, as I've been talking and as you've been listening, if, if, if God has been convicting you during this message and letting you see areas of your life that are also stale and areas where you need something fresh from God, what he's doing is he's showing you how much he loves you. Now, here's what I would love to see. If you believe that God loves you, hit that love icon, uh, hit that love response button, and let's just see a bunch of hearts flood this screen. If you believe that God loves you, because he does. And if God loves you, it means he's going to change you and he's going to discipline you and he's going to show you a better way to live. That's what discipline is. Here's the deal. Unloved kids are neglected kids, right? We have a God who loves us and never neglects us. And he doesn't neglect us because he wants better for us. He wants better for you and he wants better for me. And he wants this fresh faith for you. And he knows that it's found in connecting and trusting him, which is why this famous verse is here. Revelation 3, 20 says this, behold, now remember, this is Jesus talking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Now remember, this is written to the church, to people who have said yes to Jesus. And that's the beauty of this verse. Jesus started off with his church talking about vomiting them out of his mouth because of their independence. And now he's saying, listen, join with me, come with me. I'm standing at the door and I want to be with you. Now see, if we stopped at the beginning where Jesus was spitting them out because of their independence, that would be the wrong view of Jesus. 
This is our Jesus. He disciplines us because he loves us. And he shows that love to us because he wants to be with us. Remember I said at fellowship, you can be anything but a liar. This verse captures why. It captures the heart of Jesus. You see, no matter how far you've wandered, Jesus is always ready to connect with you. No matter how stale your faith may be, Jesus is ready to breathe fresh air into it and bring freshness back to it, just like a fresh meal, right? It is good, and that is what Jesus wants to do. He's standing at the door ready to bring that freshness to you. And he's ready to connect. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. He loves me. He loves us. That's why. Now, recently, I want to tell you a quick story. I had gone a few days without praying, like, right? Like, and this is during this season, the season that I just said, I'm trying to spend unhurried time, spending time in prayer. But, but, but I was doing stuff and, and just hadn't sat down with my Bible and, and hadn't sat down to talk to Jesus and to listen to Jesus. And it was interesting because it was like the further away I got from the last time, the more I didn't want to do it again because of shame, right? Like to sit down with Jesus and you haven't been there for a while. I was like, ugh, do I really want to go there again? And what is he going to say? And so I finally did though. I grabbed my Bible, I read and I sat down and I started praying. And it was this interesting moment when I started praying. Because as I started praying, I felt the Lord stop my words because he had something to say to me. And I felt the spirit of God say, I've missed you. Now, this wasn't some guilt-laden, I've missed you, you know, like when you haven't been to growth group in a while or whatever, and, 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 you know, or or you haven't called your mom in a while, happy Mother's Day, and, and, and you get a little bit of guilt with it. It was like this, this feeling that you get when you, when you reconnected with an old friend. And at the end of that time, there's this, man, I've really missed this. Let's do this more often. It was that type of feeling. Because y'all, that is our God right? He misses us when we're disconnected from him. And not out of shame and not out of guilt, but because of love, he wants us to connect with him. You see, when we who are followers of Jesus stop trusting in God, we stop connecting with God. But God is there to always connect with us. And when we do, he simply says, I'm so glad you're here. I've missed you. So church, let me ask you, where is Jesus knocking on your heart today? And for those of you who who have never heard Jesus's voice for you, I invite you to welcome him in, just like the picture here of Jesus knocking on your door, saying that he will come in to you. And perhaps he's knocking on the door of your heart and you can invite him in today, yielding your life to him. And to you, I think of this verse in John, Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Maybe today you hear his voice knocking on the door of your heart asking you to let him in. If so, then let your faith journey with Jesus begin today by saying yes to him. Yes to welcome him him into your life and yes to yielding your life to him. Because look at what happens when you do. Verse 21, the one who conquers, in other words, the one who repents, the one who does this, the one 
The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the those who have said yes to Jesus. This life-giving relationship with Jesus isn't just for today, it is for eternity. We get to be with him forever. This picture of sitting on the throne with Jesus, that throne is in heaven and he's saying, you are with me now and you will be with me then and it will be life-giving then, it can be life-giving now. Because a fresh faith is a connected faith, and there will be one day where there will be no disconnection from the Lord. That life-giving relationship with Jesus will be there all the time. And so church, let me ask you to this, where do you need freshness back in your faith today? Now me, I'm willing to come to Jesus again and again and again. How about you? If so, here's what I know. No matter how long it's been, I guarantee you he will miss you when you're gone and he will welcome you back when you come back. That's what makes me want to return. And so let's do this this week. This week, let's pray and connect with God throughout our day multiple times during the week. And here's how I want us to do this. I want you to pick something that you do every day multiple times during the day. Right? Maybe it's you get onto social media. You get onto Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever your thing is. You check your phone multiple times during the day. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe it's video games. Maybe, maybe you play video games multiple times during the day. Maybe you check your email multiple times during the day. Maybe you change diapers multiple times during the day. Maybe you go to the bathroom multiple times during the day. I don't know. You pick the thing, whatever the thing is. And I want you in the comments to let us know what that thing is that you do multiple times during the day, because here's what I want you to do for the next week when you do that thing is I want you to pick each thing and each time you do that thing multiple times during the day, I want you to stop quickly and connect with Jesus, right? Now, if you think going to the bathroom is awkward, listen, he loves you. He knows what you're doing in there. Connect with him in the bathroom. If that's, if that's the only place you can get away, then use that space to connect with God, right? And let's use that place. Let's use that time multiple times during the day to put our worries in his hands, to put our want to control, our desire to manipulate in his hands. And instead, let's lean in and rely on him. And let's use that time to trust in his plan and to trust in his power and to trust in his character. Thank you, church. I love being in the church with you. I'll see you soon.